This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 56% of job seekers say the biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications. This according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be lonely, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding that job that fits you. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location nearest you at ExpressPros.com. No fees for somebody seeking a job. Visit ExpressPros.com. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. NHL announced yesterday that referee Tim Peel will not be calling games now or in the future. That's kind of a polite way of saying you're fired. If you missed the story, Peel was caught on a broadcast saying that he wanted to call a penalty against Nashville early. His language was more colorful. It didn't help that the story blew up, but also a sign of the times because in every sport, officials used to be more colorful. When you go back in baseball, Joe West or Eric Gregg, Ed Hockley in the NFL, Joey Crawford in the NBA, colorful characters. They thought you were paying to see them. There's old school umpires and referees who probably had no problem with the profanity that was used by Tim Peel, but it's a bigger issue now. Mics are catching everything. Players have more power. There's calls for transparency, more transparency because of legalized gambling. And all of this means that there is less tolerance, bad behavior. And unfortunately, it means Tim Peel will not work in the NHL again. We've been discussing this. We, we probably spent about 20 minutes on this this morning. We're just sitting around talking about it. I need a little more information here. I don't know what his reasoning or motivation was to say, hey, I'm going to call a penalty on the Predators. And, and we did reach out. Fritzy reached out to Tim to see if he wanted to tell his story on the show. We have not heard back from him, but that offer still stands if he wants to join us and talk about this because I don't know what the context is. I have a four-second clip where he's saying, I want to, you know, I got to call a, a penalty on the Predators. What did he say prior to that? What happened prior to that? What did he say after that? What happened after that? 
Was he trying to police the sport? Was he trying to say, guys, I'm not going to let you get chippy, or I don't like the direction of what's going on right now? I don't know any of those things. And I thought he would at least, now I know he's retiring this year, like in a month, but he still got fired. And I just want to have context. What you said, how you said it, why you said it, when you said it. Uh, had something happened with the Predators before, a, a, you know, a previous game, whatever that is. I understand the sensitivity of this. I understand if you're the commissioner, Gary Bettman, you, you can't have any doubt when you go to a game about the officials. We've had doubts. I think we all feel like referees are out to get our player or our team. There's a bias. I understand all of that. And they're human. I truly believe that you have baseball umpires who don't like certain players and may call the game accordingly. Consciously, subconsciously. I really feel that way. Not pretty, but it's real. They're, you, you can't go into the game. I know that they're professionals. They're told to be professionals. Act professional. Without having the human side of this. And if there's history, Joey Crawford threw Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, out of a game for laughing from the bench. Like, they're just, okay, how do you explain that? I mean, imagine if Joey Crawford said to another official, hey, if Duncan keeps laughing over there, I'm going to run it. Like, the personal side of this. That's what I want to know. Do I think that this happens without verbal acknowledgement? I do. And I've been doing this a long time. It's a strange story. I see both sides. Tim Peel could be saying, without saying it, you know, I, I, I gotta, I, I'm going to stop this now. I don't like where this is going. I don't like what the Predators are doing. It's just he said it. The verbal acknowledgement is what cost him his job. Do I think officials get together and they say things like this? Imagine this baseball game. You get ready to start the game. Let's say there's a fight, bench-clearing brawl. Three-game series, this is the last game, and you say to start the game to both managers and both pitchers, I'm not putting up with any nonsense. So now I'm not calling the game as if it was just a standalone game. I'm bringing something into this. But if you say, hey, look, if Trevor Bauer throws inside, I'm running him. So both sides know this. Everybody knows this. And that's how you're going to umpire the game. Imagine if an umpire would say to another umpire, man, I'm sick and tired of this, you know, his nonsense out there. You know, I, I, I'm going to run him. Now that's different. That's you conspiring with another umpire. Then it's different. Do I think Tim Donaghy is a standalone rogue official in the NBA? I don't. Maybe I'm naive. But I don't think he was a standalone rogue official. They're human. Tim Peel made a mistake. He'll pay for it. But I think in fairness to him... I would love to know exactly what happened, what led up to it. Why did you feel that way? Why did you say that? Why did the other official agree with you? 
I just want the story. That's it. And they may not change my mind, but I think in fairness to these stories, all of it, all of these stories we cover in sports, Deshaun Watson, prime example. You've already made up your mind. I haven't. I just want to know what's involved here. The whole story, both sides of the story. And the same with something like this with Tim Peel, who lost his job. Deshaun Watson, who could go to prison. Varying degrees here of what's going on and listening to both sides of the story. And it's hockey, and people may not care. But I look at this as, don't look at it as the sport of hockey. It could be any sport. It could be soccer in the Premier League. It could be baseball, basketball, college basketball. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to Peacock. They uh, carry this program all three hours. Coming out hot today. Coming out hot. Yes, boy. One little thing, because you said you want more context. You want more story. The NHL's release when they fired Tim Peel said, quote, there's no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention. They have no interest in the context or releasing it or investigating it. Um, They they fired him within, I think, a day and a half of the game. Yeah, 20, you know. The action came less than 24 hours after he officiated the game. They should actually do the opposite and make him do an interview or have him do an interview so it, it doesn't appear that it's gambling related. Now, shortly after, one of the players for Nashville was whistled for a tripping penalty on a Detroit player. The rink side TV microphone picked up the official Tim Peel saying, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a bleeping penalty against Nashville early. The NHL determined that the voice was Peel's and said that the ref would no longer be working NHL games now or in the future. And then the NHL came out and said, you know, nothing's more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. Okay, I don't know if this is a makeup call. I don't know if this is a call to just... I want to establish, this happens in the NBA, happens in baseball, but an umpire or an official will warn you. A lot of times you'll hear the official say to a player, hey, I'm not putting up with that. Hey, I'm going to call that. Like they will give you the benefit of the doubt. Not always, but players will tell you, officials will give you a heads up, hey, I'm going to call holding on that. All right. They, 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 they try to be fair to you. And they will give you a little bit of a heads up. I don't know what else happened here. I don't know if there was something that was so egregious where Tim Peel missed a call and then said, I got to make up for it. Or to me, it feels like I'm not going to put up with any of this nonsense here between you guys. And hey, it wasn't much, but I'm going to call it because I don't like the direction this game is going is. That's the feeling I had, but I don't know what else was said after that. That's the only piece of audio I've heard about with, you know, Tim Peel's voice attached to it. That's it. But he doesn't even get a hearing. It's like, nope. And I thought, okay, you take him off the ice. He doesn't uh, referee a game. You at least let him have his day. Like you sent him into the penalty box as a referee. Um... He got a timeout. But... That's all. If it was another sport, imagine this is the NFL. It would be on national news. This would be huge. 
if you had an official who said to another official, you know what? I I'm I'm uh, I got a. It's not that bad, but you know, he still he hit Brady again in the head, and uh, you know I'm I'm, I'm you know I got to call it. I mean, we can fill in the dialogue, and then it would mean more if it was a different sport. This has happened in tennis, where you've had players who have thrown matches, or do you have you know an umpire who's on the tick? Like it, it it's going to happen. The amount of money that's attached to this, it's only going to get worse. Because these officials are probably going to say, these guys are making all the money and the league's making all the money and here I am. I'm the one that's running the game here. Just look at the human side of this. What's it going to take? How much is it going to take? Hey, and, and plus in hockey, if I call a penalty... Let's say there's five power play opportunities for a team, and I call two of those in a game. That's a big advantage. In the NFL, I don't take a player off the field. In hockey, I send you to the bench. Power play goal. Now all of a sudden, if I have two of those, and you have, I'm responsible for two of the five, it could change the game. Yeah, Paul. I had an idea years ago, instead of sending the player to the penalty box, he just has to play the shift without a stick. I mean, that would really be fast. He just skate around the I ice. I think you should play without skates. Right, no skates. <laughs> yeah. That's a penalty. You're going to have a stick, but no skates there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Murray, and I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Murray. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who've ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Merriman on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go... You can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you can also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. 
Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it Whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. We know that quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you and your partner whenever you want. Two beds in one, firmer or softer on each side, you decide. And it helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature as well, quiets their snoring, so you stay sleeping comfortably all night long. Sleep Number does everything. My Sleep Number setting is 75. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep. They provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. You will never need another bed. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Talking to a source last night, and uh, I'm just curious what's going to happen with the Jets. And I said, do you think the Jets will go with Zach Wilson? And my source said it's too early to be giving up on Darnold, especially with a team around him, but the GM didn't draft him. Uh, I would think that they're hoping to trade out. There are a lot of people who really like Wilson in striking distance for the second pick. The Jets could really improve with a deal with numerous picks. Uh, He also says they have a good amount of cap space. New head coach will listen to the front office. I think picks is what they would prefer to do, but was told if there isn't a blockbuster deal involving that second pick overall, the GM will take Wilson, who he thinks is great. Let's bring in Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter and, of course, lead content strategist for the Monday morning quarterback. Where do you think we stand with the Jets there, Albert? I think they're still open to moving Darnold. I think if somebody had given them their price, they may, may, they may have moved him already. And I think that price is probably around a second-round pick and something else. Uh, maybe in between like what um, the, the Niners got for Alex Smith all those years ago, which was two twos and what the Cardinals got for Josh Rosen um, in 2019, which is a two and a five. Um, so, you know, I think they're still, you know, very open to, to, to listening to offers. Eight teams have called them on Sam Darnold. So there has been some level of interest. 
Um, you know, and I think for the, the new GM, um, Joe Douglas, who's been there for a couple of years now, actually, the new coach, uh, Robert Sala, um, you know, really the ideal for them was to be able to see the quarterbacks throw live and get all of their medicals before moving Darnold or making a final decision to move Darnold. And Zach Wilson throws tomorrow. Justin Fields throws next week. So um, by the time we get to the middle of next week, the Jets are going to have seen everyone throw live. And, and I think they're going to have a better idea of what they're looking at with the BYU quarterback, with the Ohio State quarterback. They've obviously already seen uh, Trey Lance throw. So I still think the likelihood is they take Zach Wilson and find a way to move Sam Darnold. Um, but they've been trying to, I think, like kind of, I guess, maintain some level of flexibility here until they actually get to see these guys throw. And it's important to remember, Dan, too, it's a very different year. Scouts really weren't on the road in the fall. There was no combine. So, you know, Joe Douglas physically has not been eye to eye with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields yet. And making a final decision on one of those guys without actually being able to size them up, um, you know, with your own eyes to tie your job security to that guy, which is what you're doing if you take a quarterback second overall, it's a scary thing to do. So these are an important couple of days ahead for the Jets. But also leverage-wise, that you don't want to chip your hand if you're the Jets, that mm -hmm. you still want to have that mystery of, are we keeping Darnold? Uh, do you want that number two pick? If you trade Darnold, then everybody knows what you're doing with the number two pick. Right. And I, I think they, I mean, they still really like Darnold, you know, like that's the thing about it. They really do like Sam. Um, you know, I, I think they just feel like at this point they either have to go all in on him or cut the cord. Um, and, and really that's logistically where they are in the contract, you know, after three years, you know, the way these contracts work with, um, with first round picks, that's where the decision point comes. That's when you have to make a decision on the fifth year option um, these guys become eligible for long-term deals at the same time. So, you know, you're sending a signal what you think of the guy after year three because you have to make the decision on the fifth-year option. And you have to make a decision on whether or not to extend him. <clears throat> and so that's sort of why I think they are where they are with Sam. Would they like to see him for a couple more years? Sure. You know, like if they had him at a good rate, that'd be fine. The fact is they're gonna have, they'd have to pay him almost $20 million to keep him in 2022 which makes that decision, I, I think, a little more difficult. But, you know, to your point, I, you know, maintaining, you know, the, the, the mystery till draft day I, might be the smart move. It's what the Cardinals did, right? Like yeah. The Cardinals wouldn't, I wouldn't tip their hand to anybody. Now, I think some of us knew that Kyler Murray was probably going to be the pick um, for a couple of weeks leading up to that draft. But they held on to Josh Rosen all the way up until draft day and didn't move him actually until the day after they took Kyler Murray. I was also told by a source the safest pick in the draft, aside from Trevor Lawrence. Do you want to guess? Besides Trevor Lawrence? Yes. Kyle Pitts. Patrick Sertan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Said that, that that's interesting. I like Sertan's interesting in that he's got NFL bloodlines. He's like his tape is like very, very clean. What they say about Sertan is that maybe he doesn't have the ceiling that Virginia Tech's Caleb Farley or South Carolina's J.C. Horn have. Like, he's not quite the freak athlete that those guys are. But I think – I mean, I think whoever told you that, Dan, I 100% see what they're saying because, yeah. um, you know, he's sort of – I mean, just – I mean, I, I, I can't imagine you find too many NFL people that would look at him and not think – this guy's a 10-year starter in the league. Now, will he become Darrell Revis? You know, maybe Horn or Farley have a better chance of being that sort of player. 
but I don't think there's any question that there's a consensus that Sertan's going to step into the NFL and be a really solid player. All right, explain to me what's going on with Green Bay because it feels like it's either something good for Aaron Rodgers or it's something bad for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, I, I think all the talk of the um, you know of the of the renegotiation, and I think one thing we all have to remember here when when players restructure their contracts, they're really not giving up anything, right? Um, they're basically moving money around and sometimes they're getting the cash in their pocket faster, which can help the team from a cap standpoint. That's all that's really happening in most of these cases. There are cases where there are pay cuts. This isn't going to be one of those. And there are in a lot of cases, um, you know, triggers in the, in the, in, in the player's contract where they can do these things automatically. I think that the Packers, if they're going to restructure Aaron Rodgers, they're going to go to him first. And to me, like this would seem to be like an elegant solution, right? Like if you go to Aaron Rodgers and you say, okay, like we're going to continue building the team that we've built and we're going to, we're not going to veer off of the way that we've tried to put this whole thing together, but we're going to work with you. So we're going to restructure you. We're going to get some money in your pocket a little bit earlier than, than you would have gotten it otherwise. And we're going to use the cap savings to go add player X, player Y, or player Z. To me, like that, that would be a very elegant way of addressing the concern that Aaron Rodgers has, that the Packers aren't working with enough urgency, working with, say, the urgency the Chiefs have with Patrick Mahomes or the Buccaneers have with Tom Brady, and saying, like, okay, like we've got X amount of cap space. We're going to work with you to try and improve the team but we're still not going to veer off of what our principles have been in putting this whole thing together. But I, at some point, what are the Packers doing with Jordan Love? Because the, the benefit is the rookie contract, but mm-hmm. we don't know if he can play. And at some yeah. point, don't either you admit you made a mistake or you, you say to Aaron Rodgers after next year, Aaron, thank you. But now we got to I mean, this is the reason why you moved up in the draft to get him in the first mm-hmm. place. I think the comparison that you want to look at here, like everybody out there listening wants to look at, was the Patriots drafting Jimmy Garoppolo in 2014. When the Patriots took Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady was getting older. He wasn't pleased with his contract situation. And like, I think the Patriots knew that was going to go up Tom Brady's tailpipe. At that point, one of two things was going to happen, right? Okay. Either A, Tom Brady was going to be reinvigorated and challenged and play at the top of his game or B Brady was going to age and they were going to have a guy in place to replace him. I think the exact same thing applies here. I think the logic for the Packers in taking Jordan love last year was identical. You, you, you bring him in, right. And you hope that maybe where the relationship's gotten a little strained. Now you get a super motivated player. What happened? He was the MVP of the league, then, right? And so, like, you get this super motivated player, and going forward now, you also have the potential successor on the roster. And so if he falls off at all over the next two or three years, well, then, you know, you've got a tough decision to make, but at least you're not in the wilderness looking for a quarterback. You've got an answer there on the roster. And, like, what's the worst-case scenario? The worst-case scenario, I like, and I don't even want to call this the worst case scenario. I mean, in Brady's case, what happened? Brady keep kept beating Garoppolo out. I mean, Belichick started to build a team for Garoppolo. Like the Brandon Cooks trade, when they trade for Brandon Cooks, that was for Jimmy Garoppolo. That was a receiver that fit Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set. <laughs> and Brady kept 
playing at the level that he had been playing um, you know, over the course of the first 15 years of his career. After the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, Tom Brady won three Super Bowls in five years, and the Patriots wound up having to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. So that would be like, I mean, like to me, it's like it's either A, Rodgers ages out, and you've got Jordan Love on the roster to replace him, or B, Rodgers plays his ass off, and now all of a sudden, two years from now, you're, you're in a position where maybe you have to think about trading Jordan Love. Albert Breer, the uh, senior NFL reporter for uh, the MMQB. I was wondering about the Texan situation with Deshaun Watson. I don't know what they knew and when they knew it. Because let's say in January they knew that this was lurking. This was on the horizon. Or they didn't know. Imagine if they had traded him in January. I know. And then it came out now, Albert, that did the Texans know? Like, could you void a deal? Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm just curious about the timing of all of this and what the Texans knew and that they didn't, you know, trade him at that time. Yeah, I, you know, I have a hard time with it, too, because I'm not sure what they knew either. And I think it's hard to have a take on this because um, either A, um, if, you have a hard, if you have a take on it, you, either A, you're indicting Watson, which isn't fair, especially considering – you know, what sort of citizen he's been um, prior to all of this, um, both as a college player and as pro player, um, or your B, not taking the allegations seriously enough. And so, you know, I think we have to let this play out. Um, I wish I could tell you what the Texans knew in December and January. I haven't gotten any indication that they knew this was coming. Okay. Um, and I, I think that the like Nick Casario, I mean, I could tell you what Nick Casario has told teams when they've called on Deshaun Watson, which is basically – you can ask me about any player on the roster except the quarterback. Um, so they flat out haven't made him available. If they had an inkling that there was trouble coming down the line, maybe they would have. I'm not sure. Mm. But I do know that this puts everybody in a really difficult spot because the Texans cannot justify moving on from a 25-year-old franchise quarterback without getting a historic haul in return. And on the flip side of it, if you're – the Broncos or the Panthers or the Jets or the Dolphins or the Niners at this point, can you part with a historic hall to get to Sean Watson without clarity on this situation? I've talked to a couple teams that are involved in this, Dan, that have said flat out, no, like we can't do it right now. We have to wait. And, and because our owner's not going to let us do it. And we don't, I, we can't put our jobs on the line that way. So we have to kind of let this thing play out and get some clarity on the situation before we go forward. So I, you never say never because, you know, maybe something happens um, and somebody takes a wild swing at Deshaun Watson, thinks they can get a bargain now and the Texans feel like it's time to move on. I don't know. I, but I, I mean, for the most part, I, like the way I see it and people I've talked to over the last week about this, I think it effectively is going to freeze the trade market for Deshaun Watson. But if the season was starting, he would be on the commissioner's exempt list, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? I mean, I would think so. I would think but so. But why I mean, isn't he now? Because he doesn't have to be. Because the commit because the league okay. the league right now doesn't have to make a big deal out of this because there's nothing going on. You know, like there's no I mean he he can't like off season programs and we don't know if they're gonna start, but the Texans off season program can't start till a week from Monday. So, you know, I, I think the way the league sort of proceeded in cases like this more recently, um, you know, and there was that time when, you know, it was, you know, commissioner, you know, the commissioner was sort of like the, the hammer in these sorts of cases. And I think that they've taken, going back maybe to Antonio Brown, they've taken like a little bit more of a rehabilitative um, stance in these things than a punitive stance. And so I think they've been sort of careful to punish players when they don't 
necessarily have to. Um, and I think at this point, I, the, the league stance on it probably would be for right now, at least we don't have to do anything. Now, if we're going to open up off season programs on April 5th, which is a possibility for teams with new coaches, the Texans fit into that category. Maybe at that point we have to do something and say something, but I mean, like even then we know Deshaun Watson's not going to show up, you know, yeah. <laughs> we've already had, we've already established that. So I, I think the league hasn't done anything at this point because really they don't have to do anything. Uh, I'll leave you with this uh, talking to a source. And he said, there is an outlier who's going to come up to the top five. Somebody's coming into the top five in the draft. Now, if I say that, what would be the team that would be the outlier that you think might be trying to get into the top five, even higher, I'm told? Mm -hmm. Who would that be? Okay, so like I think everybody knows Carolina is very quarterback hungry, right? So they're not now. Nah, it's not them. No. <laughs> yeah, no. it's not them because we know that they're. I, I've been told their owner is quote unquote obsessed with getting a quarterback. So um, I'll give you two teams, Dan, um, that I think like people maybe aren't talking as much about. Um, one would be the New England Patriots because they built up their roster to a point where. Um, where I, I feel like they, 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 they don't have as many holes, you know, like that they have to fill as they had maybe two weeks ago. And like, although Bill's history is to trade down, he has taken opportunities to move up in the past. Um, and if you remember in 2012, they traded up twice to get Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower. So when they see something they think is really special, they'll go and get it. The other team that I think is lurking out there is the Denver Broncos. Um, I think the Broncos could get aggressive with a quarterback if they see one that they really believe is a superstar. And so maybe they're the team that jumps from nine to three to go get like a Justin Fields. And part of the reason why they've got a new general manager in George Payton who isn't tied to Drew Locke. If you think about it, there are major league questions about whether or not there's going to be any um, first round quarterback prospects in the 2022 draft. So if you're a first year GM, you're looking at it right now, maybe you're lukewarm on Drew Locke and you say, okay, if we don't get one this year and there isn't going to be one next year, now I could be going into year three as a general manager still looking for my guy. And so I just keep an eye on the Denver Broncos maybe getting aggressive there within the top 10. By the way, I don't have the answer. I was just told that there is an outlier that, you know. Would Denver qualifies an outlier? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would think so. San Francisco would uh, qualify. San Francisco is another one. Yeah. I mean, I, I think San Francisco, I think San Francisco is tied to Jimmy until they can find what they feel like, <laughs> until they can find yes. what they feel like is a significant upgrade. I've been consistent on that. I don't think they're moving. They were never moving off of Jimmy for, they're not moving off of Jimmy for Gardner Minshew. If Gardner Minshew is coming in there, it's as a depth piece because they feel like they need better depth at that position. Um, but it, like I, I've maintained this all along. Like I really feel like if there was a significant upgrade, they would consider it. Great to talk to you again, Albert. Thanks for uh, joining us. All right. Thanks, Dan. That's Albert Breer, the senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist for the MMQB. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments, 
where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You could trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? It's funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. The all-electric EQS sedan from Mercedes-Benz is luxury and innovation on a truly magnificent scale. It's not just the flagship of the Mercedes-Benz electric lineup. It sets a whole new standard for all luxury electric vehicles. You're going to marvel at this epic 56-inch touch-sensitive hyperscreen featuring self-upgrading next-generation AI and a beautiful, intuitive interface for both driver and front seat passenger. You'll experience next-level comfort in an exquisite spacious, near-silent cabin that makes this flagship feel more like you're piloting a spaceship. And you'll appreciate the graceful aerodynamic design that almost completely eliminates drag for an outstanding operating range of up to 350 miles on a single charge. The EQS is an object lesson in just how far electric mobility has come. The vehicle is all electric. The feeling is all Mercedes. Take a test drive. Learn more. MBUSA.com slash EQS. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like, a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Did you add some new music to the library, Seton? Mm, no, I didn't add these. These are probably some old ones that's coming back around. Oh, just curious here. Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, I didn't know that, but thank you. I'm aware yeah. of Tribe Called Quest, but I don't know any of their songs. Now you know, too. I do? Yeah. This one and the last one I played. <laughs> okay. Oh, so that was Tribe Called Quest, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I did love the name, Tribe Called Quest. 
Yes, yes, Paul. I was driving around the other day and I heard a little Big Daddy Kane, early 80s, mid 80s. Mm, yeah. Really good rapper. Yeah, not familiar with You don't know Big Daddy Kane? I know the name, but I don't know. I, my uh, Very talented rapper. My knowledge of rap is not that good. Well, your <laughs> window of music is really what, like seven, late 60s to late 70s? Is that like your wheelhouse? Where yeah, you, the, I, I, love a lo- I love a lot of music, but... Um, but if you were saying the music I grew up on was blank. Oh, yeah. It's 60s, 70s. But, uh, I mean, Tupac. Uh, who else? Uh, Biggie. I think Biggie's the best rapper I ever heard. Like, I, I, the way he sounds. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big rap. Yes. What uh, about the Bismarcky, Eric no, B and Rakim? No. You know LL Cool J, though. Yeah, I know who uh, he is, but I don't know, it, I don't know the music. I, I don't makes know. me sad. Why? It makes me sad that you, you, all you listen to that, Billy Joel and uh, Hall and Oates. Well, I'll cruise around with uh, the Beastie Boys. To you go don't back like to my Springsteen. You I don't know it. Zeppelin. You don't know the Stones. You don't know the Who. Like, I feel sad for you. Yes, Seton. I've said it before, but driving in the car with Todd and letting his, you know, iPod or whatever kind of music player he has just go on shuffle is fascinating because you'll get, you know, Biggie Smalls followed by Air Supply. Followed by like a Guns N' Roses song or something. You're like, what the? This do is wop, the craziest music. Neil Sedaka, Barry Manilow, all that stuff. No, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. Times. I don't. I don't know most of that. Well, and the then Public songs. Enemy right after that, and you're like, Public Enemy into Survivor? No kidding. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's <laughs> do it. Public Enemy. I get. I, I get their impact on music society, but uh, nah. Biggie Smalls, Tupac. You know, let's bring in Frank Isola. He'd be the guy to talk to when it comes to music like this. Frank, you uh, you want to add anything to this? I figured it was the natural segue. We're talking <laughs> hip hop, so why not? Why not bring me on? I like all those guys that you mentioned. I'm like you, Dan. I know the songs. I just don't know who played them. I went to a U2 concert years ago. I flew out to Portland. It was going to be the final night of their U.S. tour. I went, it was like three days before Christmas. My wife's still not talking to me about this because I went. And Kanye West was the warm-up act. And we got out there and we were probably like, we were standing up, but we were like three people from the stage. He was unbelievable. He was so good. He played for about 90 minutes. He was great. And so you two, I put him up there too. You two has always been great. Um, I saw them when uh, they had uh, Muse opened up for them. Yes. And uh, Kings of Leon opened up yep, for them. I saw that one too, yeah. Yeah. And I saw them with Damian Marley once. Who was, you know, like the reggae. Yeah. Uh, he was outstanding. Really yeah. good. All right, Frank. Well, that was it. We appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys. <laughs> um, Woj just reported that the Bulls landed uh, Nikola Vucevic, a uh, couple other players, Ferrado Porter, Wendell Carter Jr., and two first-round picks here. And that Chicago is still in the chase for Lonzo Ball. Why is it that other teams want Lonzo Ball, but New Orleans doesn't <laughs> want Lonzo Ball? I think it's because they're going to eventually have to pay Lonzo Ball, but there is a lot of interest in him. And you think about it, he's he's improved a lot. I think his shot has improved a lot. He's a big-time athlete. He's not going to be better than his brother, but his brother has a chance to be a perennial all-star. I kind of like that deal, though, for Chicago. Vucevic, there was a good stat that somebody just had. There are four guys in the NBA this year averaging at least 24 points and 10 rebounds. Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, all three of those guys are MVP candidates. Now you have Vucevic, who's putting up those numbers on a losing team. I get that. But you put him with Zach Levine, and obviously the Bulls aren't done. I think this is a team that's headed in the right direction with that new management team and obviously with Billy Donovan as the head coach. Uh, Let me go back to New Orleans and the Pelicans. When I watch, 
they're they're a below average team, frankly. I know. Like I don't understand what what is missing here. I don't understand this. Well, for one, they don't play enough defense, and I think Zion Williamson has been terrific. But on the defensive end, he's not good. And you know, we just mentioned Lamelo Ball. The one thing that sticks out for me the most about Lamelo Ball is he got to Charlotte. He's putting up good numbers, and the team has been winning. Now I get it; he's in the Eastern Conference, so it's a little bit different. To me, that's still going to be the measure and the impact that you're really going to have on a team. And maybe there still needs to be some growth that has to happen there because it is a very young team, and it's probably going to—it's not going to get older anytime soon. And they're just trying to navigate their way through the Western Conference. The West is tough. I think a lot of people are disappointed. I think they should be a little bit further along. But defense is the problem with that team. They just don't guard anybody. Are the Clippers interested in Lonzo Ball? Like, what's the likelihood? Where, where's his landing spot? Well, I, I think there's a, uh, you know, a few teams. I think the Knicks, believe it or not, are still interested in him. I think if he went to a team like the Clippers, I think he could help them. The problem with the Clippers is they would love to have a guy like Kyle Lowry but I just don't think they have enough to give the Clippers back, not only just in terms of assets, because remember they made those trades to get Paul George. They gave up all their first-round picks. But I don't even think they have enough to give back in terms of contracts. So to me, Kyle Lowry, the perfect fit for him would be the Clippers. You put him there, that's what they need, mm. a leader, a guy that's been through it before, a tough guy. He take, He's flopping all over the court. He knows how to draw fouls. That would be the perfect player. Lonzo Ball could help them, but does it take them over the Lakers if, if LeBron and Anthony Davis comes back? I'm not sure about that. What about Kyle Lowry to the Lakers? Do they have the pieces? That's That would be a big-time move for them. And that's the thing. When you, when you have LeBron on your team, and who knows, he'll probably play until he's 50, but you know you have to look at it like you you have a golden opportunity right now, and if they can get him, that would be some move. I think Kyle, from what I had heard uh, the last couple of days from a guy that's close with Kyle Lowry, is that you know he really, if he's not going to stay in Toronto, he'd like to go to Miami. I, I think that's something that appeals to him. But I think the Lakers have always been out there, and he fits in so perfectly with that team in terms of his toughness and his leadership. Could knock down a three point shot. Anybody that plays with LeBron is going to be that much better. And you put Kyle Lowry and Anthony Davis there, come on, that's a pretty formidable team. Aaron Gordon, once out of Orlando, where do you think he ends up? Yeah, Dan, there was a great story. You should look up the quotes from uh, Aaron Gordon. He said that he had a meeting with management and he expressed frustration with the losing and the way that the team has been playing. Yes, that's why they paid you the money. So you're the one that's supposed to do something about the losing. <laughs> Imagine how frustrated management must be that they're paying you all this money. I mean, that, that, that's some meaning to have. You know, like that's that, I, I got a kick out of that. You know, the problem with a lot of these players, you know, can they be the third best player on a championship level team? That's to me what you're looking at. I don't think Aaron Gordon can be your second best player and you could be a championship team. Anthony Davis with LeBron, absolutely. Anthony Davis, when he was in New Orleans, got out of the first round just one time. So Aaron Gordon... I would think the ceiling for him is the third best player in a championship team. And I'm not so sure where that fits right now. Frank Iasola joining us. Uh, Nets studio host on Yes. Uh, he's got the uh, NBA radio, the starting lineup. And uh, you can see him on Around the Horn and pardon the interruption. Are the Clippers a contender? Like It feels like we don't talk about them the way we did, say, a year ago. Yeah, I think you're right. And the way that everything ended in the bubble for them, it's it, nobody's going to take them seriously until we see them as an organization finally get to a conference final, which is something they've never done before. So Paul George is playing well, and everyone's saying, talk to me come playoff time. And then the guy that kind of you know got off scot-free a little bit here 
is Kawhi Leonard. He was the one that came in and had to move heaven and earth to bring in Paul George. And listen, he did play well against Denver. He didn't have a great game seven, but I don't know if that's LeBron James and he doesn't have a great game seven. We're still, we're still talking about it today. So I'm, you have to put a lot on Kawhi. And here's the crazy thing, Dan, he could be a free agent. He could leave. Can you imagine everything they did to get Kawhi Leonard and everything he wanted them to do? And then Come the off season, whenever that is this year, maybe in August, he tells him, I'll see you later. I'm going someplace else. Where does that lawsuit stand with the guy who said he helped facilitate <laughs> Kawhi to the Clippers with Jerry West? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it's it's going to go very far. Was Jerry West probably speaking to somebody who's close friends with Kawhi Leonard? Absolutely. But did this person have anything to do with Kawhi going there? I highly doubt that. Dan, people were talking about this all throughout the season in Toronto. I thought that Toronto was going to be able to resign him, not only when they went to the finals, but when they won a championship, I figured, you know what, maybe he'll stay one or two years, then he'll go out to the Western Conference. But everyone was saying Clippers or Lakers all throughout the year. So how much did this person have to do with it? Just because you had a couple of conversations with Jerry West, I'm not buying that. What about the Nets uh, with what they're doing? Well, James Harden is doing uh, with Kyrie out, Durant still out. Uh, Do they do anything at the trade deadline? Well, they could be a a team in the buyout market. There's been talk about maybe J.J. Redick. You know, JaVale McGee now is off the board. He got traded. Andre Drummond is still out there. The one thing about Brooklyn, if you look at James Harden, what he has done. So last night, they held him out of the game. And Steve Nash, after the win against Washington the other night, and Harden took a knock to the head. He looked like he was out of it. His neck was hurting. He started the second half. I was surprised that he played in that game. He played against Portland. But Nash had said, I'm concerned about the minutes. I don't know what to do about it. I think they held him out of the game last night. He was in uniform. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a player's way of saying they're holding me out. He didn't feel like he needed to get dressed up and wear some crazy outfit that he's putting on a fashion show on the bench. To me, he wanted to be out there. He's carried the team. Kevin Durant is their best player. The face of the team right now is James Harden. Do you know that he's played 30 games? Kevin Durant in his next career has played 19. Kyrie's only played 31. This guy missed the first 13 games of the season with the Nets, and he's and he's going to end up playing more games than both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But do you think it's Harden's team? I, I do from this standpoint. He's been the one carrying them. Now, when they get Kevin Durant, and this is the thing about the trade deadline today, everyone's going to be trying to make moves. We're assuming the Nets are going to get Kevin Durant back. They're saying it's only a hamstring injury, and I think now they're just being extra cautious. Nobody is acquiring a player like the Nets are going to get back in Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is invested from this standpoint. He knows there's one result that he can get. You either win or it's been a bust. Doesn't mean you can't go back next year and try to win it. There's a lot of pressure on them. He is so happy with the way that Harden has played, and Harden is the same way. Harden forced his way out of Houston. He knows what his reputation was. He knows there's only one satisfactory result, and that's winning. That's why this team has been all in. Charles Barkley uh, said recently that Harden's the best player in the game and talked about, you know, just what he does offensively. It's unlike anybody else, which, I look, I agree with the offensive side of this. I don't think he's the best player in the game, but he's on the short list there. Um, he could have played back in the 80s or 90s 100%. with the physicality there. I'm just curious what Jordan and Kobe, some of these players, now Kobe had a little bit of this era, but, yeah. you know, Spread spread the floor. Can't put your hands on anybody. They would have developed into better three-point shooters because it, you know, your offense almost calls for that. I, I said earlier, I think that uh, you know Mike and Kobe averaged at least 40 a game at, at, at the peak of their careers 
in today's NBA. They average high 30s, you know, back in the yeah. another era. What do you think, you know, when you – we love to compare eras there, but if I put Jordan and some of these other players in today's game, how much does their game change, evolve, and what do you think they average? Well, you were living through it uh, when Michael Jordan was going was playing, and you remember Doc Rivers about what six foot five, Derek Harper six foot three, both strong, and they're both putting their hand right on Michael Jordan's hip and trying to guide them to where they want to take him. You were allowed to be really physical with him, and he still is leading the league in scoring, and he's winning championships. Can you imagine him in today's NBA with? how many times they call fouls. He'd, he would spend the entire game at the free throw line. See, for me, it's a little bit different, and I'm sure you're the same way. I think Michael Jordan's the best player of all time. I just – I never felt you were going to beat him four times in a playoff series. So I think if you put him in today's NBA, and if he wanted to, and he had the same drive that he had back then, because today with load management, who knows how he would be. If, but if he was willing to play 80 games a year, 80 to 82, he's going to average 30 to 35 points, and he's going to win MVP every year. Yeah. I remember Phil Jackson came in. He was promoting his book. Uh, and I said, what would Mike average now? And, and he said he could see him average 40, 45 points a game. Yeah. But that's yeah. if your coach, if if Michael was playing for the Rockets, where D'Antoni was his coach, then Mike could average whatever he wanted to average because that's what James was allowed to do. Yeah. You're 100% right. And I think ever since Harden got to Brooklyn, if you look the other night, he had 17 assists. He's the When he grabs a rebound, much like LeBron, his head is up and he's looking to throw the ball ahead. So I get it. In Houston, they wanted him to play a certain way, and all he did was dribble the ball for basically 22 seconds on the shot clock. Then he would take the step back three. But he's been an unbelievable leader on this team. He's always looking to get guys involved. And in late in games, when he feels like he has to take over, he puts his head down, he drives to the basket, and he makes that floater. And if the defense commits, he flows, He throws the ball up for an alley-oop. It's amazing how he reads the game. He's, he, he sees the plays develop like a split second before everybody else. It's the mark, really, of a brilliant player. And it's the one thing that is probably not highlighted with Harden because we look at him as a gunner, a volume yep. shooter. His ability to, and you, you, you say this, keep his head up and see the floor and see a play before it develops, that's rarely highlighted with James Harden. Yeah, and, and I think, too, if you look at Mike D'Antoni, he had in Phoenix Steve Nash, a two-time MVP in the league, and I think Nash was the same, obviously the same way. The difference is that Harden at any point could just dominate a game scoring. That's what makes him so tough. So if they get Kevin Durant back and Kyrie Irving is going to be around and he's going to play in every game, it's going to be so difficult for any team in the Eastern Conference to beat them. Now, Milwaukee with P.J. Tucker, now that Drew Holiday is back, look at the way that they've played. I think it's now eight in a row. So they'll be a tough team. Uh, Philadelphia's done really well with that and beat and beat has dominated the Nets uh, a couple of times this season. So they'll present challenges. But if, and I understand it's a seven foot, you know, if that's Kevin Durant and his health, but if he's healthy, I just don't know how you can beat that team because with Durant and uh, Durant and Harden are unstoppable. Then you throw Kyrie into the mix, who, by the way, has played really well the last three weeks. He's just not with the team now the, the last couple of games. I'll leave you with this. If the Bucks had won the championship last year, would the MVP voters be looking at the Greek freak differently uh, and, and maybe a three-peat? It yeah, almost and feels I like it's him. being held against him. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I always say that, too, about the voting. You know, the media votes for it, and we all kind of like a story. It was like Carl Malone winning that one year when you probably could have given it to Michael Jordan. Like, you could give it to Michael Jordan every year. You can kind of give it to LeBron. But remember, though, we did vote 
based on the season ending, I think it was March 11th or March 12th, whenever it was last year. And at that point, Giannis had done more. The team had the best record in the league. From the bubble on, LeBron was the best player. So LeBron was bringing up an argument which really didn't hold water. We had voted in March. But I do think you're right, and I think sometimes there's a little voter fatigue with an MVP. That's why maybe this could be the year for a guy like Damian Lillard, maybe Nikola Jokic, James Harden. So that's the thing, too. The media might be thinking, ah, the way that you handled your exit in Houston, I don't like it either, but come on now. The guy is certainly an MVP candidate, but with Embiid out right now and LeBron out, it's kind of wide open, and Giannis certainly is making a move right now. Is that Len Bias's jersey behind you? Yes, the great Len Bias. What's, what's the reason behind I went. I went to Maryland. Yeah. I was a freshman with his last year. What a senior year he had. They went down to Carolina. Carolina had never lost. They were number one in the country. They had never lost a game yet in the Dean Dome, right? Yeah. And that's when Len Bias went down. That was that great play where he has, he hits the three, then he steals the inbound from Kenny Smith and dunks the ball backward. I mean, come on now. That's a pretty good college high. How would you describe him for those who didn't see Len Bias? Well, I think, you know, if you ask Michael Jordan, he would, I, I'm not going to say he's on Michael Jordan's level, but if he had played for the Boston Celtics when that group still had a lot left, I don't think it's much of a reach to say that he would have been, uh, that they would have won another championship. He went to Duke his senior year. So his senior year, they beat number one Carolina in Carolina, where you know they get every single call. Dean Smith standing up the whole time complaining about traveling. <laughs> they went down to Duke, and I, I think he had 40 or 41, and the Duke students were bowing to him. They were, they were doing this. So like people knew that Len Bias was a different kind of player. Yeah. Frank, uh, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the day, and we appreciate you uh, spending time with us. Thanks, Dan. Good seeing you. That's uh, Frank Isola. He is a studio host with the Nets and also uh, part of Sirius XM NBA Radio, the starting lineup. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The utterly inspired all-electric EQE sedan from Mercedes-Benz. With hundreds of customizable comfort settings inside the cabin, it's the EV that recharges you. The vehicle is all-electric. The feeling is all-Mercedes. Learn more at mbusa.com slash EQE. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.